Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 804, air date October 21st, 2020. All right, let's start. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. We're going live on all platforms. Good. Hello, everyone on Instagram. Hello, everyone on YouTube, Twitter, Periscope, as well as Facebook. Um, Today, we're going to have a discussion. Uh, We're going to go back to our talk on the immune system medicine talk, and we're going to talk about an amazing herb called Moringai. So that's what we're going to talk about as people are joining in. Um, We'll just wait till people come in. And we're going to uh, talk about this incredible herb that has many, many, many medicinal properties. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So let me start this up. Let me bring up my thing as people are joining us. And good to have everyone on. Hola, Kathy from California. Very nice to have you. What else do we have? That's right. As many of you know, we are running our write-in campaign for U.S. Senate. And it's an important campaign because... um, Uh, it's really a campaign that goes beyond left or right. It goes beyond black or white. And it's really a campaign about truth, freedom, and health, as we've been talking about. Um, While people are coming in, I'm going to be setting up our talk today. And our talk today is on Moringai, M-O-R-I-N-G-A. Moringai is a, uh, it's a tree. It's a plant that has many, many, many properties. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today. And I hope you enjoy this because what you're going to learn is uh, a, a, um, about one of the oldest, uh, probably herbs, trees, or whatever, however you want to call it in the world. And I hope you enjoy this because it's going to give you a deep understanding, um, of, uh, a, a plant that's been around for many, 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 for, for, for a long time. And, uh, I hope you're going to, uh, get, get a understanding about how this herb supports many systems in our body and particularly as uses for the immune system. That's what we're going to focus on today. So I'm just getting set up here as people are joining. Hi from New Jersey. Hi from Cape Cod. Good to have you, have us. And I know people are also in Instagram world joining us. It's good to have you also. Um, let me just bring this up as we're coming up. And so it's 9.31 here in the East Coast in Cambridge. So there we go. I think this is ready now. Let's see, set up show, okay, great. I think we're all set here. Okay, so good evening, everyone. We have people uh, joining us still. Again, uh, for all of you on Instagram and uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube um, that are joining, we have a great uh, discussion for you today. We're going back to our immune system series. A lot of people have been asking me, you know, we've been hitting on the election fraud issue, our write-in campaign, which I'll briefly talk about before I go into this. But we're going to have a deep discussion of one of the most amazing plants uh, in, in on the planet. It's called Morungai. In Tamil, which is um, the language that I also learned to speak growing up in South India, T-A-M-I-L, when I was with my grandparents in that small village in the hut that they had across from their home where all the cows you know, were and some chickens, in the center of that hut grew this Moringai tree, M-O-R-I-N-G-A. And the tree has many, many properties. The leaves of it we used to eat as vegetables. And there's a fruit that it gives. It's, it's a long fruit. It's called a drumstick. And that was put into all different kinds of soups in the Indian tradition called sambar, S-A-M-B-A-R. Um, but we're going to be talking about that and the many, many uses of this. 
um, uh, plan. And before I go into that, as many of you know, I always like to give you guys an update on what's going on with our U.S. Senate campaign. Let me just take you to that. Uh, for those of you who are new, um, uh, I am running for United States Senate. As many of you know, we were on the path to a landslide victory in the Republican primary on se September 1st. And we found out election fraud took place where literally the voting systems on these election systems, which is quite amazing, have a capability to multiply votes by fractions. And in fact, our votes are saved as fractions. So if you got a thousand votes and I got a thousand votes, the systems at the software level, when the ballots are electronically counted, can multiply your votes, let's say by a factor, 2.5. So you get 2,500 votes and cut my votes by let's say 0.5. So I only end up getting uh, 500 votes. So we noticed this anomaly because in the many cities that we asked for data through FOIA, what's called the Freedom of Information Act, it was found out that in every city there were more votes than voters. And the work of Bev Harris and Benny Smith has pointed out the fact that these voting systems store our votes as fractional, as decimals essentially, not as whole numbers. And uh, our mathematicians and data analysts, which we'll be sharing with you more, have found out because we were very fortunate in one of the counties, uh, we saw this very interesting anomaly, which helped us calculate that my votes were cut by half, 50%, and my opponent's was nowhere to be seen, did really no campaigning at all. His votes were increased by 20%. So we won this primary, so we're not walking away. As many of you know, we are moving forward to what's called a write-in campaign. In the United States, if, if um, you can also write in someone's name, as you can see there, so people can write in, as I'm going to show on the screen here, people can write in Dr. Shiva for Senate right here, okay? So in the write-in space, people can write in DR period, Shiva, S-H-I-V-A, and then they have to fill in the oval. And all of these ballots are hand-counted. Um, just to give you by way of uh, a perspective, in the one county where 70, 80% of the votes were counted by hand, we won there by nearly 10%. In every other county, we quote unquote lost by 60, 40. But I wanna let everyone know we are doing a write-in campaign. Um, we're going after the central issue that, that others have talked about, but election fraud. And as a part of that, what I wanted to also share with you as an update, because again, I like to give the updates because we have a lot of interested people out there. We actually, um, let me see if I can bring this up. We have actually, uh, is this it? Yes, here we go. Yeah, we have filed um, our formal lawsuit, which I tweeted out. This is the civil lawsuit that we filed. Um, bring this up. As you can see here, we filed our lawsuit in uh, Massachusetts federal court. Uh, and this is the lawsuit particulars. But what we have done is we filed a lawsuit against the Secretary of State of Massachusetts for $1.2 billion. Um, because it was, this, I remember I was criticizing the Secretary of State for uh, the fact that they destroyed ballot images, the fact that that uh, we found out in all, many of these cities that there were more votes than voters. And I started tweeting that out. Well, it turns out the Secretary of State admitted to contacting Twitter to suppress my speech on Twitter. There's one issue with Twitter, there's one issue with election fraud, but the First Amendment in the United States was created so you can criticize your government. And the fact that the government notified Twitter to suppress my speech, not only for one day, but for nearly 14 days. Now, to the best of my knowledge, 
over the 30,000 tweets I've done over the last 10 years, I've never been thrown off Twitter. And the fact is that the Secretary of State had me suspended. So this is going to be a very uh, awesome lawsuit that's out there. Um, we really brought across the points of my background, the fact that, you know, the tweets I was sharing up until September 25th, nothing happened. But on September 25th, 24, 25th, when I started exposing the Secretary of State, I was suddenly suspended, not for one day, but for 14 days starting from that day. And that's what this uh, lawsuit brings out. And uh, our position is we're going to take this all the way to the Supreme Court of the United States because it's quite egregious what took place that the state uh, attacking me. But more importantly, I'm a United States federal candidate. Okay, so here's the state attacking a U.S. Senate candidate for exposing corruption. This is what occurs in, quote unquote, third world countries and banana republics. But that is what Massachusetts has become. So I wanted to give you an update on that. And I also wanted to encourage all of you to support our campaign. It's something that I uh, want to ask you to do. And as many of you know, when you support our campaign, I actually give you um, and you can support our campaign in various ways. You can volunteer. Those of you who are listening, we have about 10 to 15 days left to let everyone know in Massachusetts that I am not walking away and running as a write-in campaign. So if you go to the shivaforsenate.com slash volunteer, please sign up to help make us phone calls. Uh, wherever you are in the world, you can do that. Wherever you are in the United States, uh, those of you in Massachusetts, please make sure you're getting lawn signs and helping us on the ground. But those of you outside, you can be very valuable to helping us make phone calls. In addition, you can also donate to the campaign. We need to raise around $250,000 to make sure we we're hitting the big airwaves, the radio and the TV. And with all of your generous support, we're getting there. But when you donate $5, so 50,000 of us can donate $5, um, you get access to the book system revolution. We used to offer this for 25 bucks for the next until November 3rd. We're doing it for $5. It's a special uh, gift for those who support us. And then you also get access to this very powerful technology. I created your body, your system, and I'll come back to that, which allows you to understand your body as a system. For those of you who give us um, sis, um, 70, uh, sorry, um, $50 or more, you not only get access to those tools, but you also get access to the curriculum that I've created, which teaches you. It's called Foundations of Systems. It educates you. It's a, a five-part curriculum courses that'll educate you on how to teach others systems thinking. So one is where you learn. This teaches you so you can teach others. It's a learn, teach, and serve model. You get the book, but you also get a certificate and you get access to a powerful portal that you can use, excuse me, to train others. So that's um, the two things that I wanted to let everyone know of. So please, uh, whatever you can do, support the campaign, um, either with five bucks or 50 bucks or anything in between. But if you donate five or more up to 50, you get the systems and revolution and the tool, as I mentioned, called Your Body, Your System. And Your Body, Your System is an amazing laboratory tool that allows you to analyze what kind of system you are in, in the dimensions of transport, conversion, and system. That's a red dot. Then you're taught a way in how you can use, uh, you can understand how you're deviated from your system which is a black dot. And then you can figure out how the input, different inputs of food, exercises, as well as supplements can bring you back to you. It's basically a way of understanding systems thinking, but using your body as a system. So please support that effort. So let's just jump right in now. 
Um, so I'm going to talk about Moringai, as I mentioned, and some of you may have heard about it. If you've had, it's great. Uh, it's in the last three, four years, it's become a supplement you can get in your uh, local uh, health food stores. But I'm going to go deeper into it, and I'm going to uh, give you the science of this and give you the background of this from a um, perspective, um, from a scientific perspective, but also from a perspective uh, as a food perspective, you know, how you can use this in, in your day-to-day. Uh, -day. So let's, let's just jump right into this. All right, let's go here. I think we're live here. Great. So I have my slides up. I think they're up. Oops, let me share screen again. Sometimes I have to do it twice. There we go. Okay. All right. So let's jump right in here. So uh, by the way, many of you, if you want to know more about all the activities I do before, beside the Shiva for Senate campaign, um, you can go to my personal website, V as in Victor, A, V A Shiva.com. And you'll find out, you know, the background on the invention of email. You'll find out about more about the U.S. Senate race. But you'll also find out of one of the companies that I, or the technologies that I created, which is in a company called Cytosolve. And Cytosolve is really a way to do what I call precision and personalized medicine by using a technology that I created that can eliminate the need for animal testing by using the computer to model uh, biological functions. So we can use this amazing tool to discover new medicines, uh, toxicity of things long before they occur, long before we kill animals. In fact, eliminate the need for killing animals. And as, as I've shared, some of you may know that the, the motivation of this was I looked at the way that the drug industry does their development, where it's a long life cycle, they kill a lot of animals, and many of the products coming out don't really work. They have a lot of side effects, but typically it takes them around you know, 13 years, $5 billion, they kill animals, they do a lot of test tube testing, which doesn't reflect what's exactly gonna happen in the human body. And then they have to go do clinical, clinical trials, testing on human beings. And the reality is the pharmaceutical industry is failing. They spend more and more money, as you can see by that orange curve on R&D, and they're finding less and less new drugs, meaning the FDA is not approving them because of side effects. And over the last 15 years, one of the major revolutions that have occurred in biology is recognizing that we need to take a whole systems approach. Starting in 1993 around, when we started the Human Genome Project, the idea was that you know, a worm had, we knew had around 20,000 genes. We said, well, how many genes does a human have? That was the goal of the Human Genome Project to map out the number of genes in a human being. So we said, wow, we must at least be five to 10 times more complex than a worm. And we thought we had about 100,000 genes. Well, look at this in 2000 when the Genome Project ended, turns out we only have around 20,000 genes, the same as a worm. So that means complexity is not a function of the number of genes. Because just because two animals have the same number of genes, one animal, the human being, could be so much more complex, right? So that led into the, nest, the idea of a systems approach. Systems biology, as you see here, saying that it's not just the genes on the left side, but it's all the interactions that takes place of the proteins and the cells. But the whole human is not just the genes. And one of the central challenges that was put forward in 2003 was, wow, if that's true, we got to move away from the nucleus where we thought all the activity of biology should be focused on outside of the nucleus to understand the whole cell as a system. And imagine being able to model all the molecular reactions in the cell. If we could do that on the computer, then we can eliminate the need for animal testing. So this became 
the basis of my PhD work at MIT. So if you look at these, this ball and stick diagram, this is what a biological pathway looks like, chemical A reacting with chemical B. And if you read a scientific paper, they'll have these ball and stick diagrams, but they're only a little piece of the whole. And these diagrams were becoming predictive mathematical models. So the idea was if we could interconnect all those pathway models, then you could actually create very sophisticated models of life. And that's what Cytosol is. This was the base of my PhD work. And I built a technology which allows us to interconnect systems, which is what, by the way, email was. What I created as a 14-year-old kid, email was really an interconnection of systems. It's not simple text messaging. So Cytosol is a way to interconnect the, uh, from a molecular system standpoint, provide an infrastructure to integrate molecular systems. So over the last 16 years, the technology has grown. Um, we've uh, discovered many different kinds of medicines, but one of the areas that I really love applying Cytosol is to natural products and medicines. So we've published on this, but the idea is we can take literature without cherry picking, distill them to understand those molecular mechanisms, convert them to models, and then model very complex things. So Cytosol is really an engine um, for eliminating animal testing, just like we build airplanes where we have a new design. We don't just throw a pilot into test flights. We do everything on the computer. Similarly, Cytosol allows us to do that. So one of the very cool uses which I've shared with you before is imagine that you take an herb like curcumin, which is the active ingredient in turmeric, which Cytosol, we can literally model all the molecular pathways of curcumin, of turmeric, at the cellular level, see all the places curcumin, in this case, stops inflammation, model it. Similarly, we can do that to something called resveratrol, model that, and then we can put both of them together, okay, and model what happens when you combine them. So here, we're running a digital experiment without killing animals. So in the far right column, I have a value called 0.15 on the first row here, which exemplifies inflammation in the body, no curcumin, no resveratrol, and on the computer, I'm running an experiment where I'm giving five units of curcumin, you notice the inflammation drops, five units of resveratrol, that also drops from 0.15 to 0.06 here, from 0.15 to 0.05, and look what happens when we combine them, but lower dosages, 60% uh, less curcumin, 40% less resveratrol, but this combination, right, um, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole, I mean, I mean, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, you see, that you get an even further reduction. This is what Cytosol allows us to do. So that's really the process that we use in looking at Marungai. And we're gonna focus on its immune boosting properties, but I hope everyone's uh, following along. So now, so that's the background on Cytosol. Now I'm gonna really go into Marungai, Marungai uh, as a plant so you can understand its particular properties. So let's go back there. All right. So um, Marungai is known as a tree of life. Moringai oleifera, okay? And when I was growing up in India, as I mentioned in, with my grandparents, you know, my grandparents had their home across the dirt road, very nearby, was there a little hut that they had some, a few cows and some chickens, but out of the center of that hut grew this beautiful Moringai tree. And you can see the leaves here um, that the trees compose. It has these things called drumsticks, and it also has other pods, you know, or uh, flowers. But it's typically grown in many subtropical and tropical areas. And the earliest documented medicinal use is recorded in, you know, over 2000 years ago, okay? In 150 BC. 
So even back then they recorded the medicinal use uh, of it. You have the leaves, the seeds, the bark, the roots, including the sap, the flowers, and they're all used in traditional medicine. Interestingly enough, there's 110 compounds, 110 compounds. Oh, let me just do this. This happens sometimes. There's 110 compounds and there's more that have been isolated so far. And the functional phytochemical groups of these compounds are many. I mean, it's quite diverse, the, the set of compounds in this. You have alkaloids, you have saponins, you have tannins, you have steroids even, okay? Glucosinolates, flavonoids, and terpenes. So a wide, wide range of phytochemical compounds. And these are some of the major uh, compounds with the medicinal benefits, Ep epicatechin, quercetin, nizurinin, cytosterol, marmumoside, and glucomyringin, okay? Meringin, okay? So these are some of the major compounds. So um, again, I wanna emphasize to you that um, in, including many of the leading you know, organizations, including even the WHO, finally are admitting that this tree can, uh, which by the way, grows in any, any, it can grow in many different conditions, very arid desert-like conditions, is really a tree of life and it has a powerful, and nutritional benefits. So let's look at some of those and um, what those benefits are. So one of the key things to recognize is that Moringai has anti-inflammatory properties. It can modulate the immune system. And we've talked about this before. Remember, it's not a virus that comes and attacks and kills you. It is an overreactive immune system that doesn't know how to modulate itself. Your own immune system starts attacking, attacking itself. The other thing is Moringa has neuroprotective capabilities. Uh, it supports neuroprotection, meaning it supports the brain. It's got antioxidant liver protection capabilities, really supports the liver, anti-cancer. It, it induces cell cycle and arrests apoptosis, very important in the, in the cancer process. It's antimicrobial activities, which we'll focus on, modulates glucose, particularly for, for diabetics. So it has many properties, I mean, it's truly an amazing plant. Um, so let's look at the different parts of the tree. So you have the leaf, the bark, the flower, the root, and the pods. So the leaf uh, um, has been, uh, again, these are documented. This is not just quote unquote folklore. Uh, it's, it, it has very powerful uses for malaria, arthritis, diseases of the skin, hypertension, typhoid, swelling, parasitic against parasites, diseases, diabetes, and cuts a contraceptive remedy, uh, uh, genital urinary ailments, uh, it boosts the immune system, it supports lactation in women, which is the ability to give milk, uh, aging, uh, as I mentioned, antimicrobial flu. The bark of the tree um, supports digestion, stomach pain, poor vision, ulcer, hypertension, joint pain, anemia, diabetes, and cough. And then the flowers are, uh, you know, inhibit tumors, inflammation, hysteria related to, you know, mental issues, inflammation of spleen, muscle diseases. It also is known to be very powerful aphrodisiac. Uh, uh, and the root, uh, epilepsy, you know, helps stop epilepsy. It helps during labor pains, toothache, antiparasitic, you know, from worms and antiparalytic. And then finally, the pods, are quite interesting. They can, uh, they've been known for infantile paralysis or convulsions and malnutrition. So you can see why 
This is considered the tree of life. Amazing plant. And one of the interesting things is this grows in very tough conditions. And there's a theory in traditional medicine that whenever you find plants or fruits or things that grow in very tough conditions, more than likely the chemical properties will help toughen you. Okay. So it's an interesting uh, phenomenon that people have noticed with these kinds of plants that grow in harsh conditions. So as you remember, when I've talked about the immune system before, the old model of the immune system that's used by people like Fauci and frankly, a lot of medical doctors who don't really study the immune system is frankly about a hundred or 60 year old idea of the immune system, which only includes two boxes, which goes, hey, you have the pathogen or virus or parasite or bacteria that comes into you. It interacts with your innate immune system, which is that part of your body, which is your eyes, your nose, you know, your ears, your skin, your mucous membranes and your back, your throat, your gut. And that's when the pathogen first comes to you. And then your body tries to take it out with the innate immune system and the secondary system after that. And by the way, the innate immune systems like Marines, they just shoot at everything. But the adaptive immune system is more like a sharpshooter. It tries to, for that particular, in the case of virus, produce a particular antibody. But this is the simplified idea of the immune system that's a basis of creating vaccines. However, my research and the research I've presented uh, recently at the National Science Foundation in the invited lecture is, I said, it's not only these two boxes, it includes the interferon system, it includes the neural system, it includes a microbiome and the virome, and then it includes the gut-brain axis. So it's many other subsystems. And what this uh, much more holistic understanding of the immune system leads us is that one size does not fit all. One size does not fit all. The notion of giving everyone vaccines doesn't make sense. Uh, that's what comes from the, the, the real, real science. So this is no longer anti-science, I mean, anti-vax or pro-vax. It's about the fact one size does not fit all. And by the way, we have around 60 trillion bacteria in our body, the microbiome. We have around 380 trillion viruses. And this integration, very little, but we really know how they work together. So I can't overemphasize to you that the immune system is a complex system and one size does not fit all. So when it com comes to immune health and Moringa, uh, by the way, some people say uh, um, Moringa or uh, uh, you know Moringa, but in Tamil you say Moringa, you know, like guy, but G, but that's how you actually pronounce it, Moringa. So Moringa modulates immune response via anti-inflammatory mechanisms. So remember, um, it's uh, so Moringa is an anti-inflammatory. When your body becomes over-inflamed it can basically go and attack your own immune system. And Moringai activates both the innate and the adaptive immune system, but it's not just antiviral, it's antiviral, antibacterial, and antifungal. So how does Moringai work? At the molecular systems level, uh, Moringai modulates different inflammatory enzymes and cytokines, all right? So let's walk through this. So remember, inflammation leads to harmful and disproportionate immune response. You, when, you, when your body is under attack, you know, let's say, or you hurt yourself or you cut yourself, your body is going to uh, induce inflammation. That's a good thing. And that inflammation supports the natural functions of your body to take out the pathogens and to protect yourself. However, if you have disproportionate immune response, which means too much, your body will attack itself. So for example, 
with the coronavirus or many of these viruses, the viruses go to different parts of your body. And if your body overreacts, in the case of the coronavirus, it starts overreacting, at attacking your lung epithelial. So now there are protein kinases uh, that activate trans transcription factors such as NF-kappa-beta, so, which is an inflammatory, which is, you know, induces inflammation in your body. And the transcription factor NF-kappa-beta promotes the expression of inflammatory enzymes such as COX-2 that you see here. So here's NF-kappa-beta induces COX-2 and ENOS. But it also, NF-kappa-beta induces a lot of these other inflammatory cytokines, IL-6, TNF-alpha, and IL-1-beta. So NF-kappa-beta is something that your body, you know, produces um, and it's, it's uh, induced by MAP kinases, MAPK, okay? So what's fascinating, so MAPK, you know, activates the transcription factor NF-kappa-beta, which then upregulates these various compounds which cause inflammation, okay? So it's like almost like a cascade. MAP, MAPK induces NF-kappa-beta, and then NF-kappa-beta, which is a transcription factor, which means at the DNA level, it causes the upregulation, so your DNA starts transcribing for COX-2, ENOS, and all of these things create inflammation. Now, moringa, what it does is the active compounds in the leaf, so this is where the leaf is important, not the sap, but it's the leaf. The leaf extracts inhibits, which inhibits NF-kappa-beta, okay, or MAP kinase. So the leaf extracts go and stop MAP, MAPK, and therefore it inhibits the expression of this. So the Morungai leaf extracts are the ones that inhibit MAP, MAPK, which stop NF-kappa-beta, which stops inflammation, okay? So I hope that's clear. So you have a cascading effect of the leaf extracts you know, suppressing the MAP kinase, which then stops the transcription factor NF-kappa-beta, which, you know, reduces inflammation. So that's the real science that you want to take away from here. Um, one of the important things to understand is that the health benefits of Moringai also come from the fact um, that Moringai extract increases the activation of your immune system, typically in the, in the, in the adaptive immune system which is, contains the T helper cells, uh, the CD4 T helper cells. So, so the Moringa leaf extract, again, what it does is induces the adaptive, t, t, adaptive immune response. So your body produces, remember we talked about the interferon system, IFNs, interferon gamma, which then um, um, uh, leads to the recruitment of your own innate immune cells, such as macrophages, and the macrophages directly kill the microbes, they, the macrophages are like these very interesting, um, you know, uh, uh, um, cells, which literally surround the microbe and eat it up, they digest it up, they literally surround it and they digest it. So what happens is the Moringa leaf extract, you know, inspires or uh, uh, upregulates the CD T4 cells, it increases their activation, they then, um, uh, release cytokines, which is IFN gamma, and that leads to the recruitment of innate immune cells such as macrophages. And the macrophages directly kill the microbes via uh, phagocytosis and mitigate the infection. Phagocytosis means 
they envelop and they kill the virus. So this is very good, uh, effective against herpes simplex virus type one and hepatitis B virus. All right, so let me uh, really emphasize that, that the Morungai leaf has been found to help against these viruses. So you have to think about it in traditional systems of medicine long before vaccines came. How do they deal with this? Well, Morungai, as we just shared with you, goes back uh, over 150 BC. And, and the properties of Moringai really help us modulate, um, uh, you know, against viruses or, or stop viruses. So that's viruses, right? Remember we said three things Moringai can, can do, antiviral, antibacterial, and antifungal. Let's now move to the antibacterial activity of Moringai. Now there are peptides also found in the Moringai leaf extract. So when I, when I was growing up in India, and even now, you can go to the Indian stores, you can get the Moringai leaf. You can take some ghee. Ghee is a much more healthier version of butter. And you can heat it very lightly. And then you can take the leaves and you can lightly, you know, saute them in there. And it's a very uh, great way of getting the bioavailability of this, but you also get a lot of the nutrients into the ghee that you can also, um, you know, use in your food. But the peptides found in the Moringai leaf, what they do is they disrupt the cell wall of the bacteria or the fungi. So these peptides literally go destroy the wall and then you get the leakage of the intercellular content, contents that leads to uh, disturbance in osmotic pressure, which means the pressure surrounding the membrane um, and you get the eventual death of the bacteria. Now the Moringa leaf extract also inhibits protein synthesis right here. So not only does it disrupt the membrane of the bacteria, but it actually stops the DNA uh, from, you know, the, the transcription process from making protein, okay? And that um, obviously helps kill the bacterial cells. So two ways, it's a two parts. So one punch, it's hitting the membrane, and the other punch, it's stopping the protein synthesis. So that's the antibacterial activities. Another aspect of this is that the peptides found in the Moringai leaf disrupt also the cell wall of fungi. So that's bacteria, but they do the same fungi. And similarly, the cell wall leads to leakage of the intracellular content. And that also does the same thing. So, so this, the peptides in the Moringa leaf affect bacteria as well as fungus. So it's as an antibacterial and antifungal effect. So what is the recommended dose levels? People always ask me, how much should I take? And obviously everyone should consult with their medical doctor. But again, everything I'm sharing with you comes from from the cytosol process of understanding the literature. So the maintenance dose, according to Stowe's et al. research came out in 2015, is about 2.5 to four grams per day. Again, you can make this as a food, you know, you can obviously get it in pills, but um, you can, you know, incorporate this into your food. Uh, for cholesterol control, Numbier et al. in 2010 said about 4.6 grams a day of the dehydrated leaves. And for diabetes control, a little bit higher stoves at all says around eight grams per day. And for milk production in uh, women, by the way, you know, they've, they've given uh, Moringai in the farms, they give it to the cows. So they produce healthier milk. It also has the same uh, uh, lactation effect for women. And that's about 500 milligrams per day of leaf extract. So you're looking at it, 500 milligrams to eight grams based on the different indications then Moringai has very valuable uses. Um, again, uh, what I'm sharing with you is looking at, at not just cherry picking, but across nearly 
over 3,000 research articles, uh, 23 cl clinical trials, and over 85 years of scientific research. So over 85 years of scientific research, 23 clinical trials, and um, every day there's more and more clinical research being done on Moringa. Now, that's from the Western approach. Now, if you remember, I've shared with all of you before I go into this, that you can use um, when you, by the way, those people want to support the campaign, uh, as I've shared, you can also uh, understand this from a very different perspective. Remember, I shared with you that the there's another systems approach. Remember, separate from the molecular systems approach, which I just shared with you with Cytosol, in 2007, eight, I went back to India to really understand from a scientific perspective how the Indian systems of medicine work. And what I discovered was that the Indian systems of medicine are not really a system of medicine, but they're really an engineering systems approach. And here, what you're looking at is in those systems of medicine or the engineering approach, everything in nature has three properties, transport, which is a movement of information, matter, and energy that's denoted here by, you can see by this um, triangle here, transport, conversion, which is ability for your, for the conversion of information, matter, and energy, and storage or structure. And what you're seeing here is with answering a set of questions, you can figure out how much of this is in your body. And then what it turns out is different foods or supplements or exercise or bad behavior moves this uh, red dot away from you to the black dot, or you can move this black dot back, which is what the goal of health is to bringing you back to you. That's one approach. And in that approach, the different foods, you know, exercises, uh, medicines can bring you back to you. That means food itself has a property of manipulating transport, conversion, and storage. And by the way, uh, just to remind you, anyone who supports the campaign, Shiva for Senate, um, $5 or more, we made it a great offer in the last 10 days of the campaign. You can get access to the Your Body, Your System tool, the book, and the, and the tool. But regardless, the reason I bring this up is that when you look at what I've just shared with you, is you can look at the powerful value of Moringai from a systems approach, molecular systems approach, but you can also look at it from the engineering systems approach and you get a very different perspective. Let me go back to this here. And here, oops, let me go back. Um, here, what you will understand, where are we here? Yeah. So what you can see here is that um, Moringai stabilizes transport, which means really make sure you're not erratic behavior like hysteria which is transport, it increases conversion, which is digestion, and it stabilizes um, storage. Storage is typically associated with storage or fat, you know, stru structural elements in your body. If you have too much storage or what's known as kapha, you're increasing fat. So you notice Moringa has the effects of reducing, if you're very, very sort of crazed or manic, it can help with that, what they call hysteria. It can reduce fat, right? It supports diabetes but it increases really digestion. So in summary, Moringa inhibits the inflammatory enzymes such as COX-2 and INOS. So it modulates a runaway immune system so you don't have the cytokine storm. It activates the adaptive and innate immune system, um, remember through interferons to directly kill the virus. And it also inhibits antibacterial activity, which includes disruption of the bacterial walls and in inhibition of bacterial synthesis and it kills fungi via disruption of the cell membrane.
So there you go. That is Moringai, the tree of life. So I hope you learned that. And I can do more on just on Moringai itself. But the important point is, as I mentioned, this plant, this herb has so many different value that it's that's why in many, many uh, South Indian households, it is something you ate as a natural part of life. Now, one of the interesting things is the fruit of that tree is known to be very, very good for men, for anabolic effects, for hormonal effects, uh, for you know healthy uh, male uh, support. For women, the leaves have also been proven to have nearly every amino acid, a lot of iron. So people said that in the developing nations where people are not malnourished, this is really the tree of life, the wonder tree. So there you go, Moringa. Let me see if there's any questions people have here. Uh, yes, yeah, someone said it's very common in Trinidad and Tobago. Look, Trinidad and Tobago were a lot of the indentured servants, like you know my great grandfather who left from Burma. I mean, India to go to Burma. A lot of Indians were brought to Trinidad and Tobago. And I'm very curious if the tree was grown there or whether it was brought from India. That's interesting. Um, please do more of these series. Definitely, we have more coming up. I'll, I'll definitely do that. Um, you know, I love doing my medical research. I love doing Cytosol, Systems Health. Um, just to let everyone know, you know, the one of the key things that I've done is those of you, a lot of people have, have written in to ask me, uh, let me just share this here, that, um, that I should share with you more what I do in my institute. We have a Systems Health Institute that people should be aware of. And just to take, so Systems Health is really to train because uh, I can't do this, I can't, I can, I can reach a certain number of people, but with Systems Health, I've created an online institute where you can actually learn the foundations of Systems Health. And one of the things we have going on right now, you can do it directly off the site, is uh, I think we used to offer this course for $250, it's $50 for the next two weeks, but you should take this course because you'll understand the fundamentals of systems theory, you'll understand how these systems principles, you can also apply it to politics. And then in addition to that, the next level course is a master certification course where you get nearly 25 hours of course material. It's three different certifications. And then you get access to all my books as a part of that. But it's a wonderful way for all of you to actually become trained and you can teach others. We've created a portal where once you learn, you can teach others. So we can really do the learn, teach and serve model. So please take advantage of that. If you're interested, and that's at systemshealth.com. Um, question, what is a pH level of Moringa? I'm seeing 6.3 to 7. Wouldn't that be slightly acidic? Look, um, depends. You have to understand many of these plants. It depends on how they are, uh, you know, um, how and what part you're taking of the tree. That could be the leaves, but also how they're processed. So Moringa has alkaline properties, but I believe the leaves, when cooked, have the acidic properties. Moringai oil, yeah, so great question, Ariana Salter. So there are a number of companies now taking the, from the drumstick that they call it, from the fruit, the seeds and grinding it into moringa oil, which has amazing medicinal properties, many of them which I've shared, but also has, uh, you know, the, the omega-3s and the 6s, which are extremely good for your cell membranes, and a whole host of anti-inflammatory properties. Um, I wouldn't get my Moringa from Walmart, someone's saying. All right. 
Someone said, I took Moringa for over a little over a year and it didn't work for me. This is a good question. Look, the, remember one size does not fit all and it really matters what parts you used. And I am, I've never taken Moringa, frankly, in the pill form. I eat it. You know, I think we're supposed to, you know, when you digest it and you eat it and it goes through a digestion system has very different effects than eating the pill form. So I would really suggest for people to start looking at recipes of using Moringai, look at a thing called Sambar, S-A-M-B-A-R, where you could put Moringai in it. Um, okay. Someone says, how does it come compared to olive leaf extract? Look, olive leaf extract, I am actually gonna do a talk on it tomorrow on olive leaf extract. Uh, olive leaf extract has many, many, antibacterial, antifungal properties. Um, and we'll talk about that tomorrow. Um, and you, we can compare it then. Someone just said this, I planted last June from seeds and this year they're 30 feet tall. Wow. Okay. Um, very important thing that my boring life is sharing. The Moringai plant grows in very, very harsh conditions. So you can really grow this anywhere. Um, in our home in the United States, my mom brought some seeds and we had a very tall plant growing also. So, um, and that is an indicator uh, of how the strength of the plant. And again, as I mentioned in traditional systems of medicine, it turns out that the plants, the fruits that grow in very harsh conditions, that the, the nature of those uh, plants is strength because they can grow in conditions that they've built the resilience that they will also support resilience in your body. Someone said, where can you purchase Moringai leaf? Well, if you go to the Indian stores, meaning Indian, East Indian stores, uh, call them up and they typically sell the Moringai leaf, actually the Moringai leaf, and you can cut, you can get it and you can make different dishes out of it. Great. Okay, everyone. Um, uh, in closing, I want to wish everyone a good night. Let's keep up the fight. And remember to let everyone know that I am not walking away. We're escalating the movement. Look, one of my goals is we know that the entire voting systems are fraud. We've shared with you how the, edu the academic systems are becoming more and more fake science. Um, they won't talk about Moringai, right? They won't talk about vitamin D3. Um, their entire emphasis is to really move people to the pharmaceutical and vaccine model. Our campaign for truth, freedom, and health, it's gone global. Many of you are becoming truth, freedom, and health warriors. You're getting the knowledge. And my goal is to educate all of you so you can be teachers. That I'm just a catalyst here, but I want all of you to start learning, teaching, and serving. So our campaign for United States Senate in Massachusetts is the tip of the spear of this movement to bring people in. So anyone who takes their pen, right, which is the pen is mightier than the sword and writes in Dr. Shiva um, is making a movement for themselves. They're saying, you know what? I'm gonna stand up on my own two feet. I'm gonna make decisions on my own beyond left and right, beyond black and white, beyond Republican and Democrat. And that's why this write-in campaign is so important because most people who get cheated, which they've done to a lot of people, walk away with cynicism, and, and get upset. That's not what we do in this movement. We rise to the occasion, we escalate. So all of you in Massachusetts, please remember when you get your ballot to write in right on the back, 
Dr. Shiva for U.S. Senate, and please fill in the oval. Those of you outside of Massachusetts, be it in the United States or anywhere in the world, please contact your friends and tell them we have about 10 days. The election is November 3rd. People are already getting ballots at home that they should write in Dr. Shiva for U.S. Senate, donate to the campaign, volunteer. We're raising money so we can take out more TV and radio ads. So anyway, I enjoyed this. Tomorrow, I'll be doing it on Olive Leaf. Okay, and I'll be doing another one back into this series. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night. Be well. Sign off here.